Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the Home Front. My name is John Murphy. Our program this week will have three segments. We're going to close out with a look at the Wyndham Textile and History Museum with the director, Kira Holmes. They have a special event coming up in February. They're, uh, they're being closed right now for their annual maintenance period, but Kira is here to have some good news for the coming month. It's part of the Chocolate Festival going on. For the second half, I'm very happy to have folks back from the Bradley Playhouse up in Putnam. They have a play now that's just finishing, and one is starting up, uh, The Girl on the Train. And they're back. We've got the director there, a cast member, someone from the crew, to kind of paint a picture of how the Bradley Playhouse is going to share a very interesting play. And that's uh, going to be halfway through the show. And to begin with, we have two folks here who are writers at Neighbors, our regional magazine that comes out once a month. And this is part of a series that we've been doing for the last few weeks now about local journalism in different forms, daily newspapers, statewide dailies, online journalism. We've had guests on in previous programs. But today we're going to look at individuals who write, and they're very focused on integrating their personal interests and local journalism, reaching out to you, and in some cases how they connect their work to the Internet and expressing themselves creatively. Uh, to basically tell stories. So I want to thank you guys for being here today and for continuing our dialogues about uh, our muse on the blank page. We have Bill Powers to my far right, and we also have Brian Carlson Barnes on board. So I know, uh, Bill, you've been with uh, Neighbors for four years now, and also you had been writing for The Chronicle for four years. Maybe you could launch us out as to what got you into the path of writing versus other kinds of creative activity. What drew you to writing as a path for you? Well, going back to a previous career, um, my latest career was his, uh, teaching history social studies at Wyndham High, and I had other careers in between, but my first was as a respiratory therapist. And um, after I got a degree in respiratory therapy, I ended up uh, w you know, writing and doing research in that particular field. Most of it was done at... Uh, at uh, Hartford Hospital, some of them at, at Community College, and a little bit at Northeastern University when I taught there. But um, so I taught, I, I was able to write about research using the old APA, uh, American Psychological Association, to guide. And uh, I wrote approximately 100 articles and pieces. Some of the pieces were as an editor of two, two journals. Uh, associate editor, I should say. Right. Um, and, and, and so I was able to to not only re do research, but also to do some uh, some editorializing, if you will, which was wonderful uh, opportunity to get things off my chest in a, in a sure. field. Respiratory therapy was prominent now because of COVID and what's been going on in 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 uh, critical care medicine. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, it, we were going through growing pains, and I was on the national board of directors, and a lot of things need to be talked about concerning the future of the field. And I kind of headed that up and did a lot of writing then. Eventually, the last, just uh, four years ago, I decided I wanted to do some more of that. I'd done some, a little bit more writing over in Hampton, the Goodwin Center. I became a master naturalist and uh, did some, my research project. It was, uh, I wanted to write it up, and it was published in Connecticut Woodlands back about five years ago and uh, four Very years nice. ago. Very nice. And so that got me back into it and got yeah. me thinking about, boy, I can do some more writing. And so... Um, the, the reason I wrote in the Chronicle was I went to a writer's workshop up, uh, sponsored by the Appalachian Mountain Club because my son and I were writing a, an article that I talked about on Wayne's show, by the way, last year uh, when we were climbing Mount Washington and got hit with a 
found ourselves in the middle of a blizzard and wrote about how we survived and what, wow. what, what had happened. So we were at that workshop talking to the editors, trying to get it published. It was published this last, uh, last January. Sounds very yeah, Hollywood. Sounds very Hollywood. Well, some people have said that, but uh, you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. it, it was it was an interesting experience. Let me tell you. So we we were able to my son and I put yeah. things together. So I, so I've been writing. While I was at the workshop, there was a fellow who was uh, writing for a New Hampshire newspaper, and I said to him, "How do you do it? How did you get in? How did you get your foot in the door?" We have is a small you know Manchester, New Hampshire. Sure. So I said it's a history column. He told me, suggested how to do it, and I followed his footsteps. I gave some, I talked to the people here, gave them some samples, and there I was. And then, but I also had stories to tell, actually the first time about the Mount Washington area. That was the first article I published in, in um, uh, Neighbors Magazine, when I happened to be nearby when the old man in the mountain fell in. Oh, what a history! I was at a geology workshop wow. at the time. Yes, so so I wrote about that experience. I drove by there many times. I've been up to the top a few times too. Oh, yeah. that, that man on the mountain was a marvelous thing. Yes, but uh, that's quite a path, and it's a combination of work and pleasure and volunteer work. And you know, neighbors is a different mechanism than the Chronicle, but they're both different ways. Yep. And it's something that I've noticed from other guests is more people seem to be curious about the past and finding more connections to it. You know, realizing that they're there and that a lot of what we're dealing with really does have roots. Now, Brian, let me bring you in here, though, before we go too much farther. You've been with the paper uh, and the magazine two years now. Right. So maybe you could start out by your interest in contacting publisher Tom King and how you got started uh, as a writer in a new form for you. Tom has a, a little teaser invitation in each issue that persuaded me to... Uh, to contact him and I asked him how many words he might be interested in. My, my expertise actually is master gardening and design and and I love the land, waters, and uh, here, been here for five years and I've, I've started uh, noting what is most interesting here and and working right now on, on something which is uh, Little Journeys in the Quiet Corner. You know, you, mm -hmm. this is uh, a real special place. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm glad I, I managed to get here before I was much older because yeah. everything takes twice as long now at my age. <laughs> yeah. But that's one of the things is if you live in a few places, there are differences. And it's like if the antenna is open, each place has its own feeling to it. And words are one way, but not everything goes into words either. But it's great when you, when you can use words to connect people to that who may not see it yet or who may not appreciate it enough. Not a hard sell, but hey, it's kind of a quality of life thing that's not a matter of quantity, right? Uh, so maybe you could focus on your work in terms of your stories. By the way, I want to mention something right away that Neighbors is online. It's uh, www, obviously, neighborspaper.com. That's the website. If you go there, the current issue pops up. There's an archive going back to the beginning. And so these issues are a nice way to look at history. These articles are not casual daily news stories. They have a longer shelf life. And you can track an issue like land management or education over time. So anyway, neighborspaper.com is where you could find this work. Or look for a copy. Tom King drives all over the place. <laughs> they're available for free anywhere. Uh, he prints several thousand, but then they're online. 
so maybe talk about some of the things that you crank out in your last two years. What are your connect the dots stories? Um, right now, uh, in fact, in the in the current uh, January February issue, it's about the quiet corner, and the next couple of issues, there I'm going to be fleshing out some um, little journeys, places around, and right. Uh, but it, it varies. Uh, so that'll take me into spring, and I'll, I'll be doing something on microforests, which is a new fashionable concept for planting densely, planting trees closer together. And I, I uncharacteristically yeah. have a, a project in winter up in uh, Boston this year. And one reason I got into what I'm doing is because I liked having winters off. It seemed like it would be a good time yeah. to write, actually. Sure. And uh, this year, though, I'm uh, I'm I'm busy with a with a project up in uh, in in Boston, and and my own. I have uh, a couple of acres here that have really. I have friends that are going to Greece and and Mexico, and you know I tell them. Chaplin is my vacation. <laughs> you know, I I love my woods. Yeah. I I, I plant. Uh, I like all the critters. Right. My partner in the house, uh, she's always scolding the squirrels, but yeah. uh, all God's creatures have to Peaceful eat and coexist. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I've uh, developed a you know a fondness for that side of this area. And yeah. and then there are so many interesting things that have happened here. Uh, last month. I did something on Shabu Inn, which talk about for history. twelve years was the best little blues club in the country. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was out here in a um, an old uh, silk mill, right. Eastbrook mm -hmm. Mall, somewhere there. Mm -hmm. is it's where up in the hill is. behind the back of the mall area, mm -hmm. up there yeah. off Conanville Road area. That's yeah. right. And yeah. uh, my partner, girlfriend, she actually hit hitchhiked to, to Woodstock in 1969 and and uh, music is uh, something that's very dear to her and so we had fun uh, putting together 1500 words and visited Bruce Johns who yeah. was one of the teenagers really that started the Shabu Inn yeah along with David Foster the yeah. Foster family you bet yeah. and he has a uh, that's right he has a terrific museum, actually, in his house, his music room, and oh, yeah. took pictures of, of all the it's a uh, huge photographs wall. on the a wall. Huge yeah. wall, big fireplace yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome piece of history. You've had them on the show. It's one of the things that was because I came out here from New York in 1978 to work in radio, and I fell in love with the area. But the Shabu came out of nowhere. It, it surprised the hell out of me. What an amazing club, because it was halfway between New York and Boston. The touring bands, it was just perfect, and the audience was ready. So that was at the right time, at the right place. But for you guys, I want to ask something, too. Something here people always talk about is quality of life. They want the benefits of economic development. They would like to have other kinds of revenue for towns to pay for services, these kinds of things. But then when you want to manage the land, you want to preserve things, how do you balance it out? It's, a, it, it's an old-time thing. But I just want to hear, what is your sense of the feeling of what it means to be here that we talked about? 
and how that relates to balancing both. Does it have to be either or, or is there any way people can talk about it and figure out a way? Well, for me, it's been different. I grew up in the city. I grew up in Hartford. And uh, for me, the trails were sidewalks. And we never get out of Hartford, you know, in, in the section. I live right near Mark, Mark Twain. Oh, um, Farmington. Farmington Avenue. And I went right. to school, St. Joseph's down the street. Right. But even our Cub Scouts used to meet in the basement. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't go out on, we didn't go camping. We didn't do anything. Right. We learned some things about the outdoors. But when I moved to Mansfield, uh, what was wonderful was we lived right near the Nipmuc Trail. Oh, uh, sure. Along 44. Yeah. And we used to hike. And I wrote about Henry the Hiking Cat. Too. That's what I loved. My second or third article was two articles with, uh, with Tom. He said, yeah, give it a try. You want to have, have it two in succession? Well, we'll do it. And Henry the Hiking Cat used to follow us on the trails. And people used to stop and say, is that cat with you? Yeah, and uh, things like that. And then one How time a, somebody was walking their dog without a leash, and Henry took off. But we, he came back. An hour later, we found him. So we used to hike behind where we used to live in the woods with him. So, yeah. so, so finding this part of the country, this place was one. And, and we moved here because I was going to go to Yukon. I was going to Yukon. And uh, Yukon is a fantastic community. All kinds of uh, cultural resources there yep. to, to take benefit of. We raised our kids there. We, our grandchildren went there. All kinds of plays and music available. The, uh, the Museum of Natural History constantly going there. Oh, so yeah. all kinds of resources. Then we moved to Wyndham Center, and there there is a, 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 knit, a close-knit community in Wyndham Center. We've been there 12 years now, oh. and I've done some writing about Wyndham Center and what it's like to to live there and what the history is like. And the inn, right? The old inn. And the I've history. written about the, the inn. Yep. I've uh, written about some, some other, about the, about the history. is a fantastic uh, impressionistic um, um, painter who used to live yep. in that area and read, you know, read some of the books that people have written about and written about that. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's an awful lot to write about, but there's an awful lot of history, including the patriotic endeavors of people who lived here just prior to and during the revolution. And as William Williams from uh, Lebanon said, and one of his quotes goes something like, I signed the Declaration of Independence. It was signing my death warrant in, in yeah. terms of the British catching up to him. Sure. And then Sam, you know, up, lived right, you know, up in Scotland signed it also. Scotland used to be part uh, You mean Samuel Huntington, Sam right? Sam Huntington. Oh, there you sorry, go. Yes, Sam, Samuel Huntington. Huntington. Okay. Okay. People, it's really fun. I used to ask people about this, teachers, everybody. Who is, who, is the, who is the guy who signed the Declaration of Independence that was from Wyndham? And nobody knows. Yeah. Because back then, where Sam was raised and where he was born, Scotland, was part of Wyndham, of course. And for many, many years later, they became uh, incorporated as a separate city. But there's so much history around here. There's so much beauty, so much. The forests are here. Uh, the trails are here. I was an avid hiker, avid kayaker, and there's so much to do. Even Mansfield Hollow, kayaking there. You can kayak there all day and not see everything. So right. we're very fortunate up here. Um, yeah. And then going down the Quinnebog River, uh, going going down the Chituckett in my kayak, and in other places I've, I've been and hiked, and hiked in other parts of the country. There's no place like northeastern Connecticut as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So, you know, like one of the things that I love about Neighbors, by the way, if you're listening to us on the radio today, I'm talking today with two people who are writers and neighbors, uh, Bill Powers and Brian Carlson Barnes. And uh, we're talking about writing, uh, the reasons why people write and what they're trying to share. And uh, 
What's come back to you as a result of all your hours of labor, cranking out the words, getting things in on time, telling stories? As you put things out, there's always that circuit, right? So what kind of things come back to you well, that I, keep you going? Well, I, I get feedback. I've gotten feedback from people from one thing in particular that I wrote called The Bus of Life. And mm. uh, it's a philosophical thing about life, but then I made it uh, mm. more, uh, more about my own life. Um, I, I had a guy who told me that he thought in the last 10 years that's the best thing he'd ever read. And I said, you probably don't read too much, do you? <laughs> he said, no, he does. He's an avid reader, and his huh. wife is too. They happen to live down, down, down the road from us a piece. But that was nice. And, and other yeah. people who read it and say, whether it's the Chronicle articles or – and other people who get in touch with me and, and say, have you thought about writing about this or that? Or, you know, you might consider this. And I love that. I said, and, and I do consider it. And I have a couple of those cooking right now, actually. So, yeah. So that, yeah. that, that, that's sort of the cycle. As far as me personally, psychologically, sure. that, that's good. But I, I feel much better when I share experiences and are able to share them. And, and it's my own personal life, but it might do somebody else some good yeah. to know w what it was like for somebody else. Like I haven't written it yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about what it's like getting old. <laughs> nobody, nobody bothered to tell me, and it's unfortunate, really. Yeah. So I'll be especially interested in that one myself. Uh, and how about you, Brian, in terms of what's come back to you in the circuit that keeps it going and going each each month by month? Well, I'm I'm always interested in things horticultural, and uh, right. and there there are so many things around here. Uh, and you were talking about stores. You know the uh, the Yukon community. There, they have, for instance, something that uh, each year mid June. I, it's Connecticut wide, uh, and they have an arts and garden tour. That's right. Which uh, I've started meeting some of the other um, people with with gardens, and I think this next year that I'm going to. Uh, put my head in the ring. Uh, oh, nice. I have a little different approach to gardening, gardens since I've lived here. I'm part of it is having half the energy that I used to have, but oh, I'm yeah. a lot more tolerant of weeds. Not not just critters, uh, right? Sparrows, common sparrows, which are maybe the number one predator of house flies, so hmm. it's good to feed those sparrows close to the house. Sure. That's sure. that's for my girlfriend who is uh, not quite convinced of, of feeding the animals close to the house. But this uh, this next arts and garden tour... Yeah, when's that going to be? Spring? It's, it's always the middle of June. Okay. And I'm looking forward to being on it and espousing, uh, letting weeds grow in um, yeah. where they always grow, which is is why they're they're wonderful plants. Well, they're a native species. That's mm -hmm. where they are, you know. And I should mention, too, this is similar to something that we talk about a lot is the artist's open studios. When you tour all over the area and see different artists and what medium they use and what their studios are like, well, these are master gardeners who have works of art, and they open up the doors, and you can tour around. So we'll have people come back and talk about that for June. That's that's really great. My article in this latest Neighbors in January yes. was about CLIR. Do you know C-L-I-R? No. It was learning, uh, learning in Retirement, sponsored by, we said, UConn and the Extension Service. Yeah. And they, they meet over at the 
one of the buildings that was part of the old Mansfield Training School. And it's, it's, part of, it's the Mansfield Depot campus. Right. And they have speakers throughout the year. Uh, you name the topic, at the arts, the sciences, wow. history. And it's, it's open. It's, it, it, for a small fee right. to cover a whole semester, like 20 bucks, you can go and hear college professors or people that are interested in any one of these things. Right. And uh, I wanted to share that word. I've been there many times, and I've learned so much by, by going okay. there and met so many fantastic people. I'm glad you I, mentioned I read it. your article about that. About, which, uh, about Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> yeah, which uh, is, is something else that I have yet to explore here. Um, in fact, it even perked my interest. Um, I taught a, a course in community education in uh, yeah. New Newton, Mass., which is a yeah. a big suburb. It's a collection of of towns just uh, west of Boston, like Newton Wesley, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's um, it's uh, allowed me to um, develop kind of a, an approach to master gardening and design mm -hmm. that I may even ask them if they're interested because it's uh, well master gardening teaches you not so much everything you need to know but part of it is that you know where to find things uh, and of right. course with uh, with the internet now uh, you can find a great deal even if you don't have an expensive library like I have in boxes in my shed right which some of those books I may never look at again. Yeah. And I need to find some place that wants to take them in case somebody's listening. My, uh, my, my experiences okay. with history got me in touch with Rudy Favretti, who uh, lives in Mansfield, has written several local history books you know, about different villages. Right. And he was also a, uh, a, a, an architect who did what, you're, what you do and for UConn, and he was mm -hmm. a professor there. And okay. uh, he actually, at Mount Vernon, he, de he designed, a, you know, redid that in an authentic way. Mm -hmm. And it, it was great because I was just going to a 10-day workshop to stay on the campus at Mount Vernon when he told me about it and gave me some of his books about the gardens. And also he did Monticello, I believe, uh, for, yeah. know, for Jefferson. Well, this segment of the program is about neighbors and local writing. If you go to neighborspaper.com, it's an archive of all these articles from a whole collective of writers. I've had Bill Powers here today with Brian Carlson Barnes. I want to thank you for the work you do all year to write and to share it and uh, to keep neighbors alive. This is the kind of thing that if you move to a new town and you didn't know the area yet, this is a really nice way to get to know what it's like to live in that area, what it feels like to be there way beyond sales and marketing. It's more like a quality of life journal. And thank you for doing that all year long. And we'll have you guys back. And each year we'll also have other people back from neighbors as well. So we're gonna shift gears in just a moment and look at the Bradley Theater in Putnam. Stay with us, we'll be right back. is driving you to drink you sitting around wondering just what to think well i got some consolation i'll give it to you if i might you know i don't worry about a thing cause i know nothing's gonna be all right you know this world is just the one big trouble spot some have plenty and some have not You know I used to be troubled But I finally saw the light Now I don't worry about a thing Cause I know nothing 
trying to be a go-getter Things will get worse before they get any better You know there's always somebody Playing with dynamite But I don't worry about a thing Cause I know nothing's going to be alright Okay, we're back live on the program. I think we're going. We're rolling. Okay, we're rolling. You're on the home front here. My name is John Murphy. Today, a little technical stuff is going on as we speak right now because two of our three guests are going to join us uh, from Putnam on the phone. They couldn't get down here to be with us. And we're uh, talking about the Bradley Playhouse. They have a new opening coming up on February 24th, The Girl on the Train. Right now, by the way, they're finishing up a run of the Sunshine Boys. This coming weekend is their last run. That runs through the 29th. But we're going to focus on the play coming up in February. I'm very happy to have Eddie Krause in the studio. He was with us earlier in the year talking about the Bradley. And we're going to make a connection now on the phone with our other two guests, uh, Robin Spain, who's the lead actress in the play, and the director is Josh Raymond. So, Eddie, uh, while we make our connection here, we're kind of ad-libbing a little bit here and not trying not to break a leg. Uh, I'm just going to ask Eddie to talk a little bit about uh, the work you've done to prepare for The Girl in the Train and kind of what the storyline is and why you guys decided that would be a good one to do. Sure. Um, Thanks. So just to start off with, yeah. our, our 2023 season is all based on shows that um, were also movies at some point. Right. Um, so The um, Girl in the Train was a novel first. That's right. And then it's a, um, a book um, that was very popular, and it was so popular that it became a movie, and then it was so popular that it became a play. Um, and uh, the, the premise is, you know, there's a... Um, a girl on the train, obviously. There you go. And and it's kind of like a, a mystery thriller thing where there's, um, you know, uh, you, you see, um, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> there's a, um, yeah, there's a uh, a girl on the train and she's, you know, goes missing all of a sudden and you know they kind of go into the. Um, hey, Addy. Hey, Josh. Hey, do you want me to describe it? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Because I hear you stumbling there. <laughs> okay, Josh Raymond, thank you very much for joining us on the phone from Putnam. Uh, we're glad to have you in the house any way we can. Thanks for your work and help us set the stage for the drama of this Alfred Hitchcock space you take <laughs> us into. Uh, well, it's uh, based on a novel by Paula Hawkins. And it's about this girl who drives the train every day to work. Or right. She rides the train every day to work. And she's kind of a bit of a mess. Her life has fallen apart around her. And she sees this couple out on their terrace every day as she's riding the train. And she starts uh, fantasizing and making sto a backstory of this couple that she knows nothing about. And she gives them these fictional names and, and these types of people they are. And then one day the girl goes missing the one that she's been seeing on the terrace every day she goes missing and it's a big mystery as to what happened to her and she's a question by the police and then she the the, the lead the lead uh she 
implants herself into the mystery of what happened to this girl by going around and talking to the woman's husband, and she's trying to solve the mystery. Now, That's basically the uh, the plot of it. Right. So one aspect of this that I always like to ask the director about is how you decide to frame it and block it out since this is a stage presentation. No moving train, unfortunately. You don't quite have the budget for those things, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but how do you envision that as the medium of local stage, uh, like a regional theater environment? Well, the way I'm going about it is uh, it's going to be more of a... Um, uh, I, the, the only word that comes to mind is a very cerebral experience where there's not really going to be any any flats or sets behind them. It's going to be a very open space. Uh, and the, the train, which is going to, to be the underlying current of the whole show, because uh, during... That, uh, during, during like furniture movement or between scenes, mm -hmm. there's going to be the sound of the train and some some lights to to display the train throughout. So it's going to be uh, the undercurrent throughout the show. But uh, the experience I'm going to be going for is a very uh, cerebral experience. For kind it. of uh, things are more suggested, and it's like a Lars von Trier kind of a set kind of thing when the spaces are defined and action happens, but you don't see a set or a wall always. Uh, yeah, but the dialogue exactly. is delivered right in the story. Uh, exactly. So it, right now, in terms of this, Eddie, I'm glad you're here in the studio. What's your part in the process? What's your piece of this uh, puzzle? Um, so I um, handle marketing and outreach to the public about the show to make sure people know about the show and uh -huh. they get interested in coming to the Bradley to see the show. Um, and the um, the interest for this show has been super high because of the best-selling book right. and the and the movie that everyone has seen. So sure. that's. Um, going to be a big draw for those people who have read the book and want to see, you know, a different adaptation of it because it's been adapted for the stage. Right. Um, so I think people are going to be very excited about coming to see that, especially if they've seen the, the movie or read the book. Yeah. And maybe just a little story, maybe Josh could jump in as well, is it had to have been fun to figure out which ones you're going to do for the season because this is the second one in the new season, and there's many more to come, by the way. If you go to the thebradleyplayhouse.org, that's the website. You can follow everything for the whole year at thebradleyplayhouse.org. Uh, how did you do the uh, throwing the sticks to see which films made it through into theater? Um, so we have a artistic committee at the Bradley who chooses the shows for the next year. And so they kind of talk to local directors and um, people who even write plays. Sometimes we have um, local people who either adapt a play or write one for us, right, right. Um, specifically for the Bradley. Um, and then sometimes, you know, we pick a theme for the year, and that's kind of what we base the, the choices on. And... I think picking, you know, shows that are people have seen in movies and stuff is kind of a good way to get a recogni a recognizable show, um, you know, some some uh, spotlight there at the Bradley. Right, and I guess in, in a way the audience already has some relationship to the story. Exactly. Maybe not the way you're going to tell it, but they have some context already. Right. Uh, Josh, let me ask you: Is Robin with you as well? 
Yes, she is. Oh, Robin. Hello. Hello, Robin Spain. Thank you for joining us on the phone today. Sorry we couldn't have you folks here, but we're glad to have you here. Uh, Thank you. Congratulations. That was all my fault. Oh, well. <laughs> no fault, no foul. We're on the air here, on the radio, on YouTube. We're losing our minds together. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. See? Uh, but, Robin, how did you get ready for the role? Uh, so, uh, how acquainted with you uh, were you with the story before this came up? Did you read the book beforehand? Did you already know it? And uh, what is your way of adding some mystery to the life of this woman? Um, so I had read the book before. I haven't seen the movie. I'm not. Oh. I don't have the, the, the patience to sit through movies these days. Um, but I had read the book and I loved it. Um, and when I found out that they were doing it here, I wanted to come out to audition because it's. I'm normally a, a more of a comedic actress. I do a lot of comedies, um, mm -hmm. musicals, and I wanted to um, do something that was I'm familiar with in order to um, try and like test out my drama chops, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, as far as preparation goes, I just kind of, having read the script, um, I just kind of delved into who I thought she was. I analyzed the way she goes about things, what she says, things like that. And I just sort of make choices from there. And then um, Josh and the rest of the production staff kind of guide me, you know, if things are working, things aren't working uh, character-wise or, you know, action-wise, et cetera, um, yeah. you know, so we can perfect it as we go on with our rehearsal process. Well, that's a good question, too. Speaking of rehearsals, how long do you have to prepare you know, you have several coming up. You have a you have a definite schedule. You've got to get sets ready. You've got to break things down, get things ready. A lot, a lot of stuff to do just to get ready. So, how many times do you have a chance to rehearse and try to take it for a walk? Well, we started uh, rehearsals like um, I think like a week or so before Christmas started, mm. or before Christmas time. Right. Uh, and we've been rehearsing like twice uh, twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday. For from like six thirty to nine o'clock or so. Okay. And have you done other work at the Bradley, Josh? I should have asked you more if I had have had a chance to chat in the studio. And in terms of your other work with the Bradley, other shows. Um, this is my first time directing with the Bradley. I was supposed to direct a show last year, but because of COVID, my show right. kind of got nixed, right. so I couldn't do that. Um, besides that, I have been Shrek. Uh, in the, in the Bradley's production of Shrek, and that's really my only experience with working them on stage. And he was fantastic as Shrek. Just wanted to put that. Oh, out thanks, there. Eddie. <laughs> Amen. Great with the kids. Great with the kids. Instant hit. Instant hit. All right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> well, congratulations, Josh, on the first time to finally pull one off. I certainly wish you well. I'll try to catch one of the shows myself in the next. Uh... Now, one thing we haven't talked about—we have a few, just a couple of minutes. How did you work music or sound, or any unusual lighting, without giving it away? But as a stage crew setup kind of story, uh, and you mentioned a little bit about using space and lighting. But how about music in the play? How are you integrating that with the story? Well, all. funny thing is the, uh, the the script of the show constantly has, like, these asterisks next to stage directions where it's like, uh, you know, such and such is listening to music, and then at the bottom it'll be like, uh, you know, you have to pay rights for music if you want to use it, yada, yada, yada. 
Uh, and luckily, I have a friend from college that I've worked with a lot in every in a lot of shows that I've done. And uh, he, he I call him my, my tech wizard because I have him do a lot of the tech for the shows that I direct. Mm-hmm. And um, for this production, he's going to be um, composing original music for it. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah, and he, he has a lot of he – we're, like, on the same wavelength of the cerebral idea mm-hmm. of the uh, the lighting and the sound design. So it's going to be a real um, – it's going to set a real mood. <laughs> well, that's a nice creative collaboration when someone has a chance to write for a show, which is not an everyday thing. And then you get mm-hmm. to work on, a, like, an original resource that helps you present something. And save your money for other aspects, especially as the music is already known. Sometimes if they know the music, it, it could distract, actually, because then they think about yeah. where, where that song came from, right? So it's yeah. kind of... He, he's, he's a musical whiz, plays a bunch of different instruments, and he likes to compose his own music, so that's helpful to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I just want to mention the website once again is thebradleyplayhouse.org, and we've been talking about The Girl on the Train, opening February 24th through March 5th, and currently they're doing The Sunshine Boys through this weekend, the 29th. So I want to thank Josh Raymond and Robin Spain for jumping in on the phone today, and also Eddie Krause, it's good to have you in the house again. Thanks for having me. Thank you, folks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You bet. I wish you a great success. I look forward to seeing the show, and I'll be in touch with Christy Lynn uh, to get someone to talk about SpongeBob changing the world. <laughs> but that's for another show. Okay, folks. Thanks again. We'll take a break Thank for you. one. Sh- okay. So we'll take a break for one short message, and we're going to shift back to the Wyndham Textile and History Museum. Stay with us. Okay, we're back with On the Home Front here. Uh, for the last segment this week, we're going to focus on the Wyndham Textile and History Museum. I'm very happy to have Kara Holmes back in the, in the house. She's the executive director at the museum. And they have a special event coming up in February. That's our lead-off for our conversation. And it's tied into the whole chocolate festival coming up around Valentine's Day. So first of all, nice to have you back in the house, Kara. Good to have you. Well, thank you. It's so good to be here, John. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us the good news. We have other things to share. But what are your plans to add your part to the festivities on uh, the Chocolate Festival? Well, first I have to say, who does not love chocolate, right? And I think everybody here is very much in favor. And second, it's just great to have this event back after so many years of yeah. it being dormant because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. So. I'm really excited. It's chocolate festival time. There's going to be so many fun things. Willimantic Renaissance in town of Wyndham, thank you both for doing all of this. And we're going to have this year the Sweetheart Dance. I know many of us miss the snowball, and trust me, we are going to try to be bringing that back at some point. But before we get completely into a snowball, let's have a Sweetheart Dance. We're Bring your sweetheart or bring a friend or just come and dance or chat the night away with us. We're going to have some light appetizers. We'll have a raffle. We're also going to have some of our stuff from our gift shop, too. We're going to have an amazing artist. I think you've heard of her, right, John? Patty Tewitt? Yes. Uh, Actually, she's been in your chair. She's had some great recordings the last couple of years. She's got a great band behind her, a very good artist. She'll be a great part to have, you know, in your program. And I'm yeah. excited to work with her. She's been just marvelous the whole time. And also we're going to be at the Willimantic Elks Club. Has anyone been to Willimantic Elks? Yep, over yeah. the years, yep. 
So we're not going to be doing the Victorian room, although I did check it out in my planning stages because it's beautiful. It'd be a nice match, wouldn't it? Yes. It would, but, uh, but we're it's gonna, a big space. We're going to do the hall downstairs, and that's also another beautiful space, and that's going to be at 198 Pleasant Street. And if you want to buy tickets, just buy them online, or you can buy them through check through the mail to Wyndham Textile History Museum at 411 Main Street, or we still will be buying selling tickets actually the day of the event too sure. we really wanted to make this approachable sure. for everybody and great benefit the elks club actually shovels they have they have someone who plows so it's going to be snow or no snow it's going to be on so Very come nice. dance with us i like that confidence <laughs> and i believe unless it's changing is the website still millmuseum.org uh yes Okay, because this way you track the museum throughout the whole year. This month of January is kind of quiet now because they're doing annual maintenance. Uh, call it fine-tuning. Uh, do you have anything special going on this year that you're working on the building that's getting extra attention? Because it's a big space to manage. Uh, yes, so yeah. this year, not just for this uh, wonderful fine-tuning or annual deep clean, but we're also planning on installing some doorbells back into the mill museum and possibly adding a few cameras too so that way we can make it more accessible right. we're also thinking about working on a little deck project that we have on the side of the building it's been broken for a little bit so we want to do some maintenance to that and we have some other projects but mm -hmm. these are going to take place probably after our annual deep cleaning the right. deep cleaning for tomorrow and the next day uh, that's going to be Let's sparkle and shine and make sure the museum is ready for visitors again. And trust me, we have missed you yeah. since being closed essentially on January 2nd to right. not being able to be open again till February 10th because of all the maintenance. We are so excited to open our doors again. Now, one thing that's happening is the museum is, is really tied to some local schools because a lot of this work involves volunteer support. And for students, it might be a learning experience. It might be credit on a project. Uh, could you talk resume about... Resume builder. <laughs> pardon me, as resume builder, for sure, because you're doing real things. Oh, yes. So uh, we have lots of different projects. So we have everything from cleaning to if you want to learn a little bit about social media, we'd love to have you on board with that. If you want to mm -hmm. learn how to run a gift shop and get some business experience, if you want to digitize our collection, we have definitely a lot of opportunities for that. Or even if you want to do a little bit of research, we have opportunities to always do lectures. We have our newsletter every month virtually. So we have lots of different projects always and education initiatives and fundraisers if you like event maintenance. So right. we have everything from, for everybody, honestly. What task you want, just let us know. <laughs> well, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the area colleges. But also, you were tied into Wyndham Tech. What did the Wyndham Tech uh, students do? Uh, so we had, this year, we had a gift wrap fundraiser at the museum. So we had Wyndham oh. Tech students actually wrapping gifts. Okay. But they were also helping with some light organization before our exhibit Festival of Trees, too. So it, they, it actually worked out wonderfully because not only did they get to have some fun and stay at the museum, they also got to tour the museum and... Yeah. It, it was a great experience all the way around. And something new this year, you said you're working with ACT, the Act School. Is this something so new? So this is something in the that. planning stage at this point. We have a new board member, and she works at Act School. And we're hoping to 
because of that to get some more volunteers because they need credits as well as they need a certain amount of volunteer service in order to graduate is my understanding. So this is a new partnership we're working on. Of course, we hope to continue partnering with Eastern, too, Wyndham Tech School. And honestly, we're open to all volunteers. It does not need to be just uh, high school or college kids. It can be any age and stage in life. We would love to have you here. Well, a lot of people who are approaching retirement have a lot of energy. They're looking to do a lot of projects, and they really are a growing labor force. Maybe one last thing, Kira, while we have you for radio people. We're speaking with Kira Holmes today. She's the executive director at the Wyndham Textile and History Museum. Something coming up just a few weeks away in March across the nation is Women's History Month. Yes. And you've often done a couple of different programs, and you're getting ready for that. Do you have any idea of what your hopes are for this year, for 2023? So what I would like to do for 2023, especially for March, is I'd like to do a little party of our library. I'm not sure if anyone heard, but we did have a museum makeover, so our library was closed for a little bit. So I'd like to have a little birthday party for our library because there is an anniversary of that. I'm not sure what year. i got to look into uh-huh. it. Next time, yeah. And then uh, we also have March being Women's History Month, and I have a lecture that I just need to do some fine-tuning about three Irish-American women. I don't want to give too much away, but it's always a great time. And really, I just want to also thank the community, too, for everything. We have our Hero Long Exhibit coming up on February 10th, and the opening for that on February 24th. And then we also have our Drop-In Spinning Bee on February 25th. And learn to weave with Peggy Church on March 12th. So we have lots of things coming up and all over the map. And it's always fun. So I just want to give the website one last time, though, to follow up on what Kara is saying today. Because you can track it all year long. Millmuseum.org. So Kara Holmes, thank you very much for your good work throughout the year. We'll look forward to having you back in the springtime to continue the coverage, okay? Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Town of Wyndham. Thank you, my fellow my board members and staff and everybody we can't do this without you and thank you so much okay so that's how we're going to wrap up this week's program here for on the home front it's am 1400 wili 95.3 fm we're also recording these for youtube if you go to the wili radio channel on youtube these things are available 24 7 and they're also rebroadcast on wecs radio at eastern connecticut state university So, John Murphy, again, thanking you for sharing some time with us this week, and we'll see you next time for another edition. Take care.